<laughs> Welcome to Notorious Women Podcast. I'm Lavetta. I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. Mm-hmm. Um, notorious has so many definitions these days. Yes. And I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't yeah. think we mentioned that on our episode one of season no. two last week. We did week. not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Listen, I have a Swiss cheese brain. Thank you, Sam Beckett, for introducing me to that concept. I'm sorry, I have a quantum leap problem. Moving on. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. You were asking me how do I cook my salmon? I was. Air fryer. Okay. 13 so minutes. Like 15 minutes? 13 minutes 13. at 390. At 390. Mm-hmm. So you like take a fresh piece of salmon or is it frozen? It's frozen. Okay, so you, do you, and you frozen put it while in, caught. Frozen while caught. Out. Okay, you thaw it out yeah. first. Okay, you put it in cold water to thaw it out, and I then um, you know I put my little olive oil and my little seasoning, and then um, I do skin down, and thirteen okay. minutes, yeah. and it's delicious. It's delicious, and let it sit for about a minute or two. To make sure, because the thing about salmon is you don't want to overcook salmon, but you also don't want to undercook it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have found in my air fryer about 13 minutes, because if I do 12, sometimes if it's still a little, if it's not completely thought out, it it's it's not quite done. Mm. So I find, I find it 13, but you don't want to do 400 because I know this is so fascinating to our listeners. No, I know. Right. It's a cooking podcast. Surprise. Yeah, I found for me, if I do uh, 400, it cooks it too fast. So 390 is good, but at about 13 minutes. Okay. And so. So what we do is we undercook salmon in a pan and mm-hmm. then go, oh, no. And then we just like take the parts on the side that is fully cooked and give it to our children. And then we poison ourselves. That's <laughs> that's what we do. We don't that's- learn from our mistakes. No, no. That's the thing about salmon, because if you overcook salmon, it like it gets rubbery, right? Mm-hmm, and disgusting. But then if you undercook it, it's like, eh, but the mm-hmm. and I know air fryers, not everybody's a big air fryer fan, but I find that, yeah, 13 minutes, 390 and let it sit for like a minute or two. The thing with an air fryer is you can walk away, you can do other things. You can throw it in there. Yeah. Whereas like I put it, I like I, I basically deep fry a salmon like in a pan. I put yeah. too much olive oil and I put the skin side down. But listen, my children eat salmon. You got to do what you got to do. If you do it on the stove, the thing with salmon, especially if it has skin on it, is to cover it because then the steam cooks it. Like keep it covered. I don't do that. But I'm going to now from now yeah, on. If you do it in the oven, it's a... Uh, it's even it's even better, but sometimes in the oven I over I usually overcook it if I put it in the oven. But on on the stove, like in a saute pan, yeah, you just got to make sure you do. keep it covered so it's cu- we, the steam. We like cleans, a crispy skin. It. It's very the crispy skin is very important. It is vital to the consumption of fish in my house. Yeah, so that's why it's either air fryer or uh, uh, oven. Or because if you do it on the your raw salmon, Miriam. Yeah, it but is the, not yeah, sushi grade, girl. It is not sushi grade. You did not pay for sushi grade. 
You did it. Even though I love sushi. Sushi is the best. Mm. Uh, Well, on that note, I guess we should get started. (laughs) This week, I believe you are uh, first, my darling. I think so. Yeah. I think I knew that. Weird. Look at me knowing things. What? I'm so impressed. Thank you. That's why I said that, because I want you to be impressed with me. (laughs) Friends, that's what friends are for. Keep smiling. Keep shining. shining, Knowing (laughs) you can. Okay, I'll stop. I don't don't know if we can afford that. (laughs) I don't think we can. That was an accident. Listen, the good news is I can't hit notes. So that works out. (laughs) They'll listen to the evidence and they'll be like, ah, never like, mind. I am so sorry, but she did not sing your song. I don't know Neither what song one she of sang. Them. Right. <laughs> Neither of them were on the beat. They didn't hit the Mm-mm. note right. Mm-mm. No melody. Because when off. I hear the song, there's like a rhythm. And when I hear her, I'm not, I'm not so much getting that. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I okay. go first. Yeah, so, so you're a notorious what? woman this week. This listen, this woman is a badass, but her story starts out dark. So I'm gonna throw in a trigger warning. Yeah, okay. I'm like dark these days. But like how she overcame and continues to overcome this notorious lady right here. Yes, girl. Okay. So her name is Lee Young Sue. Have you heard of her? Lee no, Lee. Young Sue? Yeah. I don't know if she's, she's, I can't even remember how I found out about her. Um, sometimes you deep dive into things and then you find things and then you take pictures of the article you found and then you go through your pictures. (laughs) That's what happens. That's my process. That's what you do. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I got it. I got it. Those are my secrets. You're welcome. Okay. So she starts, she was born in Daegu. South Korea. I said that wrong, but that's okay. Da- Daegu. Daegu? I think okay. it's probably in the West how we say Daegu. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm like pronouncing every vowel Diego because I'm Jewish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, right? Um, and on December 13th, 1928, okay. I know nothing about her childhood. I know that at 16, right, 16 years later, she was kidnapped and she was forced to become a comfort woman for Japanese soldiers in World War II. Bastards. Motherfuckers. So. No. Yup. Um, what a bunch of dicks. Um her and her friend were captured. They were taken and they were forced into, I mean, it's, they were, I mean, they were kidnapped and they were abused and they were, um, they were there for, I think till the end of the war. So something like two years. Um, today we would call that trafficked. They were trafficked. Yeah. That's trafficking. Um, and so that happened Awful, terrible. Oh. I hope they all eat a bag of dicks. Let's move on. Um, and so in that time period as well, she she came home and she survived, but her family didn't recognize her. 
she was not, she had been soiled, if you will. And oh, she was when you no say longer, recognize, like accept I mean, her back. Oh, okay. they didn't accept her, you. like recognized her as their oh. own kind of thing. So she, um, I'm, I can't quite figure out, I don't exactly know what she did. She, she survived, right? She, she ate, she lived. Um, but for a long time and while she was dealing with her struggles, she did not know that this was happening to other people. And so that's what they did because there are power in numbers and there's power, you know, in, in being represented, right? We talk about that a lot, but knowing that other people are going through your same struggle can give you a sense of, of, of power. So they exactly. separated them. So she didn't know that she, she wasn't alone, even at the camp that she was taken to, oh, that wow. there were other comfort women and they just kept them separated because mm-hmm. they're a bunch of assholes um, that's me being nice and like watching myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. The, the comfort women, the experience of comfort women and, um, the Korean women who were forced into becoming, were trafficked and forced to trafficked. become comfort women, quote unquote, like, I like to the they... Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Motherfucker. It's a pretty name for a terrible, horrific thing. Right. You're a comfort woman. Fuck you. I have been stolen, you piece of shit. I would like them, I would like to take a piece of string, okay? And I would okay. like to tie up their penises. And then I would like to pull. Yes, that's what I would like to do. Is that a problem? No, I I would say pull, take another string. Okay. Pull the balls the opposite way. Oh my God, you're so smart. Oh yeah. It's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And listen, if you're a good man, you'll agree. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Right? Yeah, we don't do it to the good ones. No, we protect those balls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, sometimes I say things and they don't really make any sense. Oh my but they already did in my mouth. So what are you going to do about that? I didn't expect that. Oh my God, it's hilarious. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. So, so this is in the forties, right? And the next thing that I can find about her, and she's in Korea, so I there might be more about her in Korea. So I'm I'm doing the best I can with what I got. Um, she saw um, a press conference by Kim Huck Soon on TV, and that had other women talking about. What happened to them? So in 1992, she came forward to testify about what happened to her. She stayed wow. quiet for 50 years, feeling shame, feeling like it was somehow her fault. 50 years. And then in 1992, wow. she was like, wait a minute, bitches. Wow. Um, and... She says that coming forward gave her a, her life a true pur- a true purpose. So quote her, she says, I thought I was worthless. I didn't talk about it and nobody asked me until the women came out. I did not exist. Yeah. So. And just for our audience members who are wondering, um, we're going to spell it out. So Comfort Women was the name that Jap- that the Japanese gave uh, usually uh, uh, Korean women that they kidnapped during the war um, and forced into prostitution yep. for 
Japanese soldiers, uh, and they gave them the name that translates to comfort women. So that's what we mean, just yeah. to, be, to spell yeah. it out. Just like, to be very clear, yeah. And so she was trafficked, and then when she went back home after the war, her family rejected her yep. for having been kidnapped Abducted. and trafficked. Yeah. yeah. Which is, it's so sad, like the way society... Yeah works and and uh like it, it doesn't like we need to fix this because the, the the blame on women for everything it just needs to stop like yeah. again the soldiers who kidnapped her and then subsequently raped her those people we can tie with our string by both the peni and the balls and pull yeah. in opposite all directions yes they get all the blame right? she she, she is a hero for 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 surviving that. Yeah, right? and I'm sure, like to the family, they're like, "Oh, it's dishonorable. It's bringing dishonor on the family." Uh, and so, and they may have seen it as social suicide in their community. Yeah. Um, even though they all know that she yeah. was kidnapped and forced into prostitution by. They're colonizers. Yes. So, yeah, but it's just so fucked up how, like but you said, even you get blamed blame for women. What were you what were you wearing? What did you say to the soldiers? You know so, what I mean? They, like they kidnapped me. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you fight back? They kidnapped me. They were soldiers with guns and there were and a I, lot of them and they kidnapped mm-hmm. me. Yep. And I was 16. Yeah. But so also, her, it doesn't matter what age you are. You were kidnapped. They had guns. You yeah. did not. This, they kidnap people in the United States and keep them uh, five mm. miles away mm-hmm. for 15 years. Like, mm-hmm. yep. So, yeah. So, like, so that's, that's how that happens. Cause it's one thing to go through that process, but then to come back home and to be rejected all over again. Yeah. That's why she went for 50 years and didn't say anything. Yeah. You could have, I, I just oh. like, it's a horrific thing, but her life could have been saved much earlier by having yeah. been embraced by her family and supported. So, supported, yeah. Oh, um, but in 1996, she attended Kyungpuk National University and eventually received her master's degree in 2001. Wow. She got her education um, at the Women's International War Crimes Tribunal on Japan's military sexual slavery held in Tokyo in 2000. She testified about what happened to her during World War II and then later shared her story at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. Um, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place because of how I found things. Um, In 2007, she testified in front of the United States Joint Congressional Session about her experiences during World War II. She said, quote, I am an honorable daughter of Korea. I am not a comfort woman. Um, so she says that her experience was traumatic. And after her testimony, the prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, I think I'm saying that close to right, yep. uh, came out and denied that Japan was culpable and that a former apology from Japan's cabinet in 1993 was not necessary. Okay. So many bags of dicks. 
I'm exhausted. History is supposed to move forward, not backwards. I know. I know. But it seems to be like hitting a roadblock, if you will. That's because humans are dumb. Now now I understand why God destroyed the earth first time. I get it. (laughs) That Noah story makes sense. It's like, let me start over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. I may start over. Yeah. God, you idiots. Maybe onto something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start over. Um, I was trying to explain that story to my children. What happened? I mean, I don't know that it really happened. Why did, yeah, well, no, I know it. It's messy. Because children make more sense than adults. <laughs> They're like, why would they do that? Like, why would no they continue? <laughs> yeah, like, why would people know they can get people sick and still go around them? Because people are dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that don't even make sense to a child. Child's like, I don't understand. Because it makes no sense, child. Yeah, you're correct. Adults are dumb. Yeah, Because we're not actually much smarter than you are. We just have more like information. Maybe, but maybe not. We're just bigger and dumber. I just, I don't, I don't. (laughs) Just just tell your kids, the older you get, the dumber you get. I'm just, the smartest you're ever going to be is at six. I'm just saying. I mean... You know, I'd say 10. 10 be smart yeah. at 10. Okay. Be smart yeah. at 10. Then they I guess, but then dumb. you hit puberty and then it fucks it all up. Um, so, however, even though he's a bag of dicks, um, the outcome of her testimony and along with two other women who were in her circumstance uh, t- gave testimony as well, led to the House passing a resolution, the U.S., to ask the Japanese government to apologize formerly to former comfort women. And the resolution was passed unanimously. So sometimes our country does something right, Lavetta. Well, well, I mean, America can tell other people what to do. Oh, but. we love, we are so <laughs> such good, moral, upstanding representatives of humanity when it comes to anyone but us. Although that's not even true. <laughs> It's like, but it's like, yeah, Japan, you better apologize for what you did during World War II. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but slavery so long ago. Ah, why fine. you keep bringing all that stuff up? Also, Japan. Why you keep bringing up Jim Crow? <laughs> J- Japan and World War II. Is there something that happened in the U.S. soil? Japan and World War II. Is there anything that maybe we could apologize for at Japan and World War, I'm just, I'm, this feels familiar. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say this. We were at war. It's not yes. right. Nope. But I find it ironic that they want Americans like apologize Japan for something that happened during the war in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Yet we still had Jim Crow. <laughs> like in the 40s. In the, the 40s. 50s. Yeah, it was long. It was law. Even after we bombed Pearl Harbor. I mean, after we bombed Pearl Harbor. After we bombed Hiroshima and yes. Nagasaki. Yes, we did that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. So. I mean, but here's, but yes, they should. Yes. Oh, yes. These absolutely. Women, that's correct. But like, also, like, let's not be like, yes, we are the moral compass of all things. Yeah. When 
it's questionable. But I, but I do understand the power of having in the United States take that stand. Yes. So that is yes. that was huge. Yeah. Um. So the problem, the problem, this will be new information for you, is that the right wing elements of the Japanese government have been trying to erase that history. They're just trying to erase it, which I know is surprising to you. Because Nothing to see here. Nothing to see mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mama, I'll teach you this because you don't know it. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. So the right wing. It's just exhausting, isn't it? Okay. So in 2014, but she's trying. And remember, she was born in 1928. So in 2000, she's still going. In 2014, she met with Pope Francis. So she's a devout Catholic and she was able to meet with him to gain comfort. Oh, wow. I actually don't know how that worked out, but I think, okay, I don't know. Wow. Um, in 2015, she attended the South Korean National Assembly's exhi- exhibition of art created by former comfort women. And she's created art. You can look it up. She's done some beautiful things. Um, she later went to San Francisco and she received a commendation award from the city council. Um, and she asked the city to install a memorial to former comfort women. I don't think they did that. But please tell me if I'm wrong. Um, and she was a guest of California Representative Mike Honda in 2015. And she participated in protests in the United States when Prime Minister Abe visited, which I don't remember. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Okay. Vaguely. Um, she continues to participate in weekly demonstrations held on Wednesdays in front of the Japanese embassy. She always wears a traditional Korean hanbok. Um, including, listen, including words I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to really try, but when it, you say the whole shebang. I'm sorry. So when you say uh, weekly, is that here in the States or? No, no, in Korea, in front of the oh, Japanese in Korea. Embassy. Oh, yeah, oh, in Seoul. Okay. Um, she says, quote, I am a Joseon daughter. I am an honorable Korean. And she also says, I don't want to advertise that I am a comfort woman victim. Rather, I want to be a problem solver that can ensure that there will be no other victims of war such as us. And she says that she will not give up until the prime minister acknowledges the truth of her and other women's testimonies. Okay. In May 2020, she accused the Korean Council for Justice and Remembrance and someone named Yoon Mi Hyung who is the former head, I'm, tr- I'm piecing this out here, of misusing funds and embezzlement. So as a result, she said she would no longer attend the demonstrations. However, she did make an appearance later on um, in Daegu. It's, Aww. I'm doing, yeah, like the, I'm, I'm piecing this together. But in 2020, yeah. she was 91. So, in, in March 3rd, 2021, she met Foreign Minister Chung Yi Yong, and she asked the Korean government to raise the Japanese military sexual slavery issue at the International Court of Justice, so the ICJ. She also referred to a Harvard law professor who said that Korean women 
voluntarily chose to be comfort women in his paper entitled Contracting for Sex in the Pacific War. She said that professor should be dragged to the ICJ too, and he should be. Yeah, you son of a bitch. That's like, it's like when people are like, um, oh yeah, black people like being slaves. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't that bad. They got clothes and food. They got food for free. And it's like, <laughs> what part of the pictures of people wearing rags do you not see? Also, no human being likes to be enslaved. Would you change your freedom? I mean, the only slave meals? of who I want to be is uh, Michael B. Jordan's sex slave. <laughs> okay, yes, I know that's inappropriate, but, but girl, even you would have a contract, you know? Exactly. You know so, what I'm yeah, this motherfucker needs to be dragged. He needs mm -hmm. to be dragged behind a wheel. Do you remember that string theory I had earlier? It's not yeah. the quantum leap one. It's a different one. It involves penises. He yeah. needs to be dragged by, uh, he needs to be attached to the spoke of a wagon with two horses. Ooh. Yeah. Not yeah, one, yeah. two. Two horses. Yeah. And drag down the street. That son of a bitch. And I just love it how it's always a man that's like, oh, it's no big deal being raped. It's no big deal being forced into prostitution. Women like it. It's they not do. that bad. You know what? I, I just feel like he should try it on for size himself. Like. He really enjoys, he thinks, you know, then he <sighs> pleads to go to city jail for three nights. All I'm going to say. I mean, it's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. Tell me, idea. tell me you're a piece of shit without telling me you're a piece of shit. Just. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. Ugh. Motherfucker. Okay. So in March, 2021, um, she is now seeking judgment of the United Nations, and she is leading an international group of sexual slavery survivors and advocates, including those from Phili the Philippines, China, Indonesia, Australia, and East Timor. Um, and they sent a petition to the UN human rights investigators um, in early March 2021 to press Seoul and Tokyo to jointly refer to the issue to UN's International Court of Justice. So she says, both South Korea and Japan keep waiting for us to die, but I will fight until yep. the very end. Um, this is from the AP, by the way. Um, she said her campaign is aimed at pressuring Japan to fully accept responsibility and acknowledge its past military sexual slavery as war crimes and properly educate its public about the abuses through textbook and through textbooks and memorials. So like, here's the thing. They did real bad. And Germany is a fantastic example of how to do real bad and take their time and listen to others as to how to fix it. Okay. And I'm Jewish. So I understand that fixing it is, is relative. Maybe go back in time and don't murder my people, but you can't do that. So, <laughs> right. right. It's like slavery. You can't go back in time and take that away. Right. You can make reparations. You can. And you can at least acknowledge it. So I have a question because I thought Japan did. So did they not formally acknowledge comfort I, women in 93 or was it like. I can't quite figure this out. 
I think it might have been like, I remember this. Like, I think it it may have, I studied this because that was my major. Uh, Asian studies was my major in college. Okay, Uh, So you should know more about this than I do. Well, that's the thing. Like, it was always a fight. And I feel like in 93, Japan, the prime minister in 93 acknowledged, I think. And that's like, was huge. But I think it fell short. It wasn't like a formal apology. So what I am getting from what I am gleaning from what I can gather, hashtag not historians, please tell me more if you know more. I'd love to bring it up again if I could, is that there was an apology, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't formal and it it didn't change how they educated Okay. They're like okay. we know, gotcha. like in America, we learn about internment camps and it is part of our history books. And we're like, well, for now, bands. I mean, for now, nah. who knows? Um, right. Like Germany in their history books, we did this shit and it was fucked up and we're going to yeah. do better. And so, you know what I mean? Like, and that's like, that's a big argument and in also, our culture now. The benefit of, of that is like, we fucked up and this is how we tried to make amends. Yes. Say you're sorry. There's so much benefit in truly looking inward and going, I, yeah, okay, that's what we did. At the time, that was normal. That's in so many air quotes, they can fuck off. Um, but say whatever you need to say to make yourself feel better about it, but acknowledge that it was wrong and that it happened. And reparations, bitches, like, I'm sorry. I'm not even sorry. I'm not sorry. They need to- they need to run these ladies and their families their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They need to run them some cash. Yep. Cash money. And I, and I, again, I wanted to bring her to our attention and I'm doing a terrible job of giving you like lots of real information, but um, I'm giving you like, cause I think there was. Well, I think it's I, important for people to know about this. Cause I think a lot yeah. of people, I know about it because of um, I studied it, but. Also, because I know about Japanese history. And yeah. so a lot of people don't know about this. And, and she's right. They are waiting for them to all to die. They are. So they and can me, sweep it under the rug. So according to the Korea June Gang Daily, again, I, it, and this is an article I found, last August, at the age of 94, she was waiting to meet with U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, on the National Assembly grounds on Thursday, this is in Seoul, Korea, and somehow was pulled out of her wheelchair. Now, she had been trying to see her and talk to her because she, when when they met in, 20, in 2007, um, she was very supportive of her cause, Nancy Pelosi. So she's just trying to get her and somehow she got pulled out of her wheelchair. 94 years old, she has a mask on her face. And there's like a picture of, and I, and I think they tried to move her and she fought. I don't know. It was a lot of speculation, mm. but I don't imagine she threw herself out of her wheelchair. No. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and they, they said, well, the secretary general of the national assembly and the chiefs of protocols and security of the assembly visited her in the hospital to convey words of consolation in person. That's what, the member said, okay. Um, so she had tried to meet her 
before. So this was her second attempt to meet her during the speaker's visit to Seoul. She before that, she tried to wait outside her hotel the night the night before. Um, so. Here's what I see. Let's see. OK, so she mentioned the issue during her meeting that Thursday when this thing happened again. So at the joint press conference, um, she's, she mentioned it again. And she says, Pelosi says, in our previous visit to Korea in 2015, we were able to take pride in passing the legislation in the Congress relating to comfort women legislation. Um, and our Congress passed a spending bill for 2014 that asked the Secretary of State to encourage the Japanese government to address issues regarding the comfort women survivors based on the 2007 resolution. Um, and then there was, so the Seoul, I, I, th okay, here's what I know. The Seoul Central District Court ruled on January 8th, 2021, that the Japanese government must pay a hundred million won, which is like $77,000 each to 12 women who were forced into sexual slavery by the Imperial Japanese Army during World War II. What I don't know is if they've done it. Because or if she feels like it's hush money, and it's such a small amount, and only to twelve women. Yeah. Obviously, we know there were uh, at least thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not oh, millions. Yes, yeah. and their families deserve it. Yeah. Um, and the Jap Japan protested the ruling. So, again, I'm curious. I'm I'm bringing this up more out of curiosity because I'm I also. I'm also curious yeah. that I think probably internally in the Japanese government, uh, sentiments have swayed since 93 because I felt like the Japanese were actually getting closer to they acknowledging were. this, but now it sounds like they've gotten farther away from it. Because and, I, and I think that's what she's fighting because yeah. I think it's just not enough. And the idea that you're erasing these women's lives. Yeah. They're, they're hoping that they die out. Yeah, that's what it is. So I'm not letting her die. I'm going to talk about her, even if I don't really know exactly what's going on. <laughs> but, you know, encourage really our don't. listeners to go and yeah. and do their part and, and learn and say her name one, one more time. I'm going to read it so that I don't mess it up. OK. I'm going to find the piece of paper that it's on so that I can read it and not mess it up. <laughs> You're so funny. Her name is Lee Young Sue. And she young is 94 years old and puts on her mask and gets in her wheelchair. And she gets it done. Like Lee young Sue. She's like, yeah. I am here, bitches. Mm -hmm. And she will not be erased. Mm -mm. Right. Wow. Oh, do I still have my, uh, Sorry, let me close that part of my... Do you have anyone to talk about or did you just... Uh, yes, I... Guys, this is virtual, so we have a lot mm. going on here. Yes, so I have a doozy for today. I'm ready. Let's go. My notorious woman this week is um, a Japanese woman, actually, wow. who okay. was around the same time, uh, but having a similar... But a similar experience, but for completely different reasons. So okay. my notorious woman this week is Sara Abe. Okay. Yes. I, I Abe, no like idea. the prime minister. That sounds Abe. familiar. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> no kidding. So my sources today, some of my sources today come from uh, a YouTube channel called Briefcase on YouTube. It's a great channel. You guys should okay. subscribe. All that's interesting article and all that's interesting article, a CCLT Nation article and Wikipedia and Murderpedia. Okay. Uh, those are just some of the sources. So uh, my notorious woman today, again, is Sada. That's S-A-D-A Abe, A-B-E. Now, mm -hmm. Sada Abe was born on May 28th, 1905. She was okay. the seventh of eight children of Shige Yoshi and Katsu Abe, an upper class Japanese family and well respected family of uh, tatami mat makers in Tokyo's Kanda oh. neighborhood. Okay. So she, because it's 1905, only four of the seven children survived. Yes. And Sada was the youngest of those four surviving children. Okay. Okay. Now, Gosh, Sada's that brother. so crazy. Yeah. All that trauma now, that no one talks about. No one talks about it. And women, this happened to women all the time. Um, yeah. Now, Sada's uh, brother, one of her older brothers was uh, Shintaro, was known as a womanizer. Okay. And after his marriage, this is speculated, right? It's, I saw this in a couple sources, but not all of them. So, but I'm thinking it's probably true because of what follows afterwards. So uh, it's reported that he ran away with most of the parents' money. What? Well, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. What a dick. And because of this, the family was no longer well off. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, but they was they still weren't poor, but they just weren't m as moneyed as they were. So I can't I can't imagine he took all of the wealth, but he probably took a big chunk of it. You know. Wow. So because back then people had their money in bank, but they had it in different say, things. It was gold, like they had it in, gold Yeah. Right? So, you know, obviously this caused problems in the home. And so the remaining, you know, siblings started acting out. And her older sister called Teruko was also known to be a little bit for, for the time, just have probably have a lot of boyfriends. It says several lovers, but I'm not really sure if I <laughs> feel like really sometimes means. this. Yeah, I feel like sometimes this this uh, history is told by men also who have their right. own sort of POV that's not necessarily the most accurate POV. Um, she smiled at several different men. Obviously, yeah. she had several lovers, right? Well, because of this, apparently the father sent uh, Teruko to work in a brothel. What the fuck? As was... <laughs> Which was not an uncommon way to punish female promiscuity in Japan at the time. Wow. That's really uh, horrible. I think it, but it says that he also brought her back. So, so I'm just setting all this oh, up. So nice he brought guy. her back. It was sort of like to <laughs> kind of like see what your fate could be. Da, 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 like, and so he sort of brought her back to, because she was acting out as uh, young as teenagers, not just young women, but teenagers will do. Now, in contrast at the time, Sada... Uh, seemed to have been doted on, especially by her mother. Okay. Uh, who encouraged her. Her mother also encouraged her, uh, her interest in music and singing and playing the shaman song, oh, okay. uh, which was activities at the time that were closely associated with becoming a geisha. 
Oh, okay. Now, geisha are not prostitutes, people. Let me just clear that up. Geishas are normally, you have to be, you have to apprentice and you have to train years to become a proper geisha. They are paid companions in tea houses and in uh, entertainment houses, but they're not paid for sex. Nope. They're paid for their uh, musical uh, abilities, for their uh, calligraphy, for entertaining upper class generally upper class people. That is what a geisha is. There's plenty of movies out there. Go and look it up. But but geishas also were not necessarily considered um, something for upper class girls to aspire to, however. So basically okay. a geisha would be like a Kardashian <laughs> <laughs> or a Instagram celebrity. Oh, Does that make sense? Yes. So a geisha like I would show be you like, my bikini, but like obviously you can't touch me. Or but you can a, like this post eight hundred times, and then I get advertisers. Well, it's more yeah. like make your it's money. More like no, it's more like a social media star who does like makeup tutorials or who, oh, okay. but they would be known for makeup tutorials as well as like you know the musical ones. Like they they're doing something interesting in these right videos and they have a lot of followers that's ba- that's kind of like what geishas would be considered you that's have like to the develop a skill yes yeah and like you know so they're providing content and that would usually be in the art of dress or dance or song or singing or playing instruments or what have you right okay but they would be doing this in person so uh she because they had this sort of like cultural phenomenon and they were kind of like uh social media glamorous celebrities uh who weren't necessarily from upper class families other young girls even if they were from upper class families tended to look up to them because they look so glamorous and they wore yeah. stylish makeup and yeah and sada was one of these uh young girls as well okay um now as the family uh so there's some, there's some turmoil in this, but, you know, she comes of age. So when she is, uh, when she comes of age, and I think there's tension because of what um, uh, the brother had done and then the experience that Teruko, her sister, had done. Um, she comes of age and she starts acting out also. And she starts hanging out with like a group of kids that, you know, kind of suspects, kind of sus, yeah. as the kids sus. say nowadays. Yeah. yeah. But. At the age of 14, during one of these outings with one of her groups of friends, she was raped by one oh, of the acquaintances, shit. a university student. What a yeah. fucking bastard. What a piece of shit. So there, that my string theory applies here as well. We take a string yeah. and we tie it tight around his penis. And then we take a second string. Yeah. Yep. Pull. Now, as you can imagine... She's 14 years old. She gets raped by someone she knew that she had hung out with before. It was like a friend. Uh, yeah, an acquaintance, or- someone. It wasn't a stranger. So it wasn't unlike what most, and this is actually more common than people realize. Yeah, it is usually, it is. you know, perpetrators of rape are people you know. It wasn't some some creepy, dark guy down a dark alley. It was a guy that she thought she could uh, reasonably be safe with because she had been around him before. Yeah. So obviously this was an intensely traumatic experience for such a young girl. Yes. Um, and by all accounts, it profoundly changed her personality. Oh, I mean, I get that. 
So instead of just a normal one, I want to hang out with my friends and be more independent. She wanted to hang out with more of her friends and be she, and she became basically a difficult teenager. I a mean, difficult yeah. teenager with PTSD, basically. Yeah. Like, but because this is 1920s uh, and a traditional strict, socially strict uh, culture, yeah, the parents weren't too chill about this. So they deemed her basically difficult and uncontrollable. <sighs> so they sent her to a geisha house in Yokohama okay. when she was 17. Wow. Okay. So just get rid of the problem by just moving her along. Cool. You know, you know, the art of psychiatry has come a long way in therapy. You know, you kind of, you wish you could like stand back and could leap back there and be like, you know, it would help honoring her pain. No? Anyone? No? Yeah. Now, Toku Abe, um, Sada's oldest sister, she said that that Sada wished to become a geisha. But okay. Sada herself said later on that her father, much in the same way he treated her sister Teruko, he sent her to the geisha house as punishment. Okay. I mean, that, that, I mean, that tracks, right? Yeah, that tracks more so. So now, so Sada, so she goes to this, the geisha house in Yokohama. Now she's 17. Now keep in mind, geishas, are usually apprenticed at very young ages, like as young as like eight or nine. Oh, wow. They start in these houses and they kind of basically work. They do the grunt work. They're kind of like PAs, unpaid PAs, right? (laughs) They just get room and board, but they have to work. And then they are, uh, when they, when it's decided, they start to learn the actually art and craft of becoming a geisha as the years go on. Right. But she's, she's, dumped there when she's 17 so she's kind of old by you know by starting geisha training standards even though 17 is very young but still um so even though becoming so because becoming a a a true star among the geisha you had to apprentice from a, a you know apprentice from a very young age she was at a very bad disadvantage if she really wanted to find her way here so and even though she was from a well-off family and well-educated she was far more educated than many of the other girls at the geisha house but she was never able quite to achieve the high rank that she wanted to do as a geisha so okay even though again geisha are not prostitutes but because she was never able to really rise above the ranks at her age she eventually was sort of relegated to um, mainly sex work with clients. It's reported. So it's like, you're too old to become a geisha. You're not on the geisha track. So you have to keep your room and board. So how are you going to do it? That sucks balls. I mean, yeah. That was maybe inappropriate. But that's geishas. Geishas are not sex workers. No, they're not. It's a different kind of thing. And so, I just want to keep reiterating that. It's almost uh, like it's almost like a ballet, like like ballet training, right? Yeah. Like yes. She had like dance classes and stuff, but she didn't start at the very young age of the very professional school. And so by the time she showed up, she had some skill, but she really couldn't do those things because she just hadn't had that training. Yeah. And also, I wonder if the father did this because also they did it for the money. If some money exchanged hands, I wonder. 
You know, it wouldn't I be wonder. first society yeah. where uh, fathers sell their daughters for money, and let's especially talk if about she's the becoming fact difficult. Her options were so limited. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I know it was almost 100 years ago, but I'm old, and I feel like it wasn't that long ago that her well, options not in this were game so... Of- yeah, of time. True. Yeah. So now, again, because she's entering this world with no formal training, uh, she was relegated to the lower ranks within the house. Now, in Japan, in 1930s, rank is everything yeah. like it is in, in Japanese society. So uh, accordingly, uh, uh, reportedly, she worked at this house, this geisha house in Yokohama for four or five years oh, okay. uh, and eventually contracted syphilis. by uh, yeah so she and because this disease could be cured it could not be cured at the time it could only be controlled this meant that she would have to undergo required uh, regular physical examinations something that geishas because they were not sex workers were not normally required to do okay but there was in Japan at this time legal sex workers Oh, really? Yes. I mean, that's So that's fantastic. what I'm saying. Like, there's there's different, like, categories. Like, you go to... Um, so there there's different categories of it. So it is something that was um, accepted in society, but you had to be licensed to be uh, a legal sex worker. That means you have to get uh, tested. You have to get, you know, checkups regularly so they can regulate everything. Okay. I mean, so, I think that that's how to do it. Just don't force them to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so she also realized, but also when you became a licensed sex worker, you the pay was much better. So you can set your rates. Yeah. So she could actually make a decent living. So because of this, she decided to officially leave the geisha house and enter a brothel. I mean. And therefore enter into the better paying position, uh, profession yeah. of, of officially becoming a sex worker. Listen, so. if you're going to do it, make your money. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So she began sex work in in Osaka in the famous brothel, the Tobita uh, brothel district, uh, but soon realized there was not nearly as much protection for sex workers as there was for geishas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we hate women. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So the work was more dangerous. And uh, because of that, she was very feisty, thank God. But she gained a reputation for being trouble for being a troublemaker, I mean, um, which included accusations yeah. of her stealing money from clients. I mean, that's OK. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you're not getting protected, take your money. I don't know. Yeah. I feel and like also, I mean, even though it was legal, uh, I have it, it seems like it was still set up like. You didn't necessarily have a pimp, but you just had an organization that yeah. you had to pay probably parts of your oh, I'm sure. profits too, right? Yeah. Um, because she tried to leave the brothel several times, but was soon tracked down by the well-organized legal prostitution system. So yeah. they had enforcers. So you can't just leave. You can't just okay. stop, decide that you don't want to make money because people are making money off of you. I mean, listen, it sounds to me like it was legal so they could pimp you out. That's what... Yeah. Like, it was legal, but, like, not in the way that I'm fighting for. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, eventually, she did, however, succeed in escaping um, this, this, uh, this 
brothel. Okay. Uh, and she began working as a waitress. But again, waitresses, I, I would imagine, don't pay as much as uh, sex work. But I hope sex work pays more. I'll say that. You're out, I know, right? You're out <laughs> of uh, sex, uh, sex work, but you're also still struggling. So the wages were low. So she soon went back to prostitution again, to sex work again. Uh, though this time as unlicensed and began working in unlicensed brothels in Osaka, uh, which she was working in in 1932. So by this time, 1932, she is what, 27? Yes. Yeah. Very good math. So quick. Go. And so now she's in an unlicensed brothel in Osaka, which gave her even less protection. <sighs> Yeah. So she's got to figure something out. So between and then to make matters worse, between 32 and 34, both of her parents died and oh. she still was a good daughter. She went back and she took care of her mother when, uh, when she was sick and then went back and took care of her father when he was sick okay. and they both died. Uh, so in 34, she was even more alone and still in need of making a living. So she uh, began doing sex work again. Uh, but in mm -hmm. 1934, she was arrested in a police raid on an unlicensed brothel that she was working at. Oh, my God. Um, now, the the well-connected friend of the brothel owner, a man by the name of Kinosuke Kasahara, arranged for her release. Kasahara was attracted to her. Okay. Um, and finding that she had no debts, he agreed. He made an agreement with her to become his mistress. Because again, okay. women can't go out and make a living unless you're a waitress. It's not enough. So he nope. set up a house for uh, Sada um, and provided her with an income. Okay. Uh, and he said one thing that he remembered about her is that she was really strong, a, a real powerful uh, presence, even though uh, he said that he was pretty jaded at the time. She was enough to astound him. Okay. Now... Cool. At first, this was great, right? She found a sugar daddy. You know, yeah. of course, Kasahara was married. Of course. I mean, I was getting that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and this is going great. She liked him. She begged him to leave his wife. But he's like, uh, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> what I said was so, mistress. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, well, can I take another lover since, you know, oh, yeah. I'm lonely. Fair. And he's like, no. I'm paying mm. all the bills. I know how to, this is not how mm. being a mistress works. What part of mistress did you not understand? Mm. Yeah. So she ended the relationship or the relationship ended. And um, she, he actually, I think she was very upset with it. So um, she, to, to sort of get him off of her mind and get him out of her system, she went to Nagoya. Okay. So in Nagoya, she started working uh, as a waitress um, and had a and started a brief affair with a man by the name of a professor by the name of Goro Omiya. Okay. Now Goro was uh, he had political aspirations, and because of this, he was unable to marry her because by this time she had done sex work, mm. and so yeah he but he was supportive of her trying to improve her life, and he was very supportive of trying to help her do that. So he told her that maybe she should go back to Tokyo um, and start an apprenticeship in a restaurant. Okay. Like get into food service. So yeah. he was supportive of that. So that's what she did. She went back to Tokyo and she started working for um, uh, 
by uh, a restaurant by uh, that's called Yoshi Yoshidaya. Yoshidaya was a, and this was in 1936. It was a small but very successful restaurant. So I think it okay. has one of those, you know, it had like cachet at this point, but it's very, very successful. The owner of the establish, establishment was a man by the name of Kichizo Ishida in his 40s. Okay. Uh, and he ran the business along with his wife, uh, who basically, by all accounts, his wife really ran it. And while he just ran around with women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've it's heard the that 1930s. Story. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. So he now, he, to be fair, Yoshi Yoshidaya had opened the restaurant in the 1920s, okay. and so it had been around for a while. But again, it was very successful—a place you would go to to apprentice to you know to start a career in uh, the restaurant business. So. Of course, because he's a ladies man, when Sada starts working at the restaurant, he starts flirting with her. He's like, hey. And she's like, oh, Lord. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they started uh, flirting and soon okay. the two fell into a torrid affair. Oh, drama. where they would go away from uh, on weekend trips. And while his wife stayed back at the restaurant running mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. she probably was like good riddance take him off my hands you know she was like i'm exhausted yeah. off you go <laughs> yeah so now they first went away for two weeks straight where it was like hot and heavy sex mm. they basically just went off and like stayed inside all day and just basically like the maxwell song song fuck until the cops come knocking they just <laughs> Listen, mm-hmm. two weeks of that. I got a two yeast infection just thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> see, this is men make movies about this. A woman exactly. Just like, okay. Women are getting antibiotics. Okay, so okay. Now, after this initial two week like love nest getaway, Sada was obsessed with him. Oh, okay, and. She began drinking excessively. Again, she's just like, leave your wife. He's like, I'm not going to do that. It's working out great for me. We're not going to do this. Yeah, no, so, my life is perfect. But of this relationship uh, with him, she said that with Isha, with uh, Ishida, she said that she had come to know true love for the first time in her life with him. Okay. And again, this is a woman who was raped for the who was raped yeah. at 14 then sent to was acting out and so instead of just having some support at home was sent to work as a geisha but because she was old she right. they relegated her to sex work she got in there just to survive but it seems like she's looking for love right yeah because yeah. even when she was the mistress of the other guy she wanted him to be with her own. yeah and she was fully set up you know what i mean yeah. she didn't have to have sex with anybody but him you know, like and he's she can like, have a house and like money, but she's he's like, like no. I can only give you fifty percent, fifty percent of my time, if mm. that much, because I probably got other bitches too. Because that's how oh, that works, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, she made the mistake of liking these guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She yeah. could have had it all. <laughs> she could have had it all. So Seriously. now, so now, this is her second uh, situation with this guy, and she's begging him, but she's saying she really fell for him. Okay. Um, and every time he would go back to his wife, she would have intense jealousy. Okay. So racked with intense jealousy and obsessiveness, she attended a play 
And she watched around this time where she watched a geisha attack her lover with a large knife. Oh, my God. I know where this is going. Okay. So she decided. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. If I can't have you, nobody will. So I'm a stab, stab, stab. <laughs> uh, a few days later, after seeing this play, mm. she pawned some of her clothing and used the money to buy a large kitchen knife. Did I know you were going to say that? I did. Uh-huh. Now, she had said later on that I pulled the knife out of my bag and threatened him as he had done in the as as the geisha, as the geisha had done in the play. Um, and I wanted I told him, I'll kill you if I can't have you. Right. Mm, so, that's not a turn on, but OK. I being mean, a man, me, yeah, being a man, yeah, he was like, <laughs> you silly woman, oh. tricks are made for kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the old people listening. <laughs> so they went off on uh, one of their weekends. Wait, on, so she threatens him with a big ass knife that she like pondered. Well, this is, get, this is what she says. Like, that Damn, she, Damn girl. Okay, let's go on a weekend. Yeah. Yeah, well, she said this is what she she planned to tell him the next time she saw him. So the next time okay. they go off on this trip. Okay. And she does it. And he's like, okay. oh. right. So it's again, it's another one of these getaway weekends. They're making love till the cops come knocking. Okay. Um, and now Wikipedia was like, oh, she just strangled him because she was jealous. But Later on in her testimony, she says that they were um, that they had been doing erotic asphyxiation. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, and it, makes it went wrong. Sense. Yeah, um, but because she's so it, jealous, it's it kind of hard to tell if she's a is she telling the truth or are the researchers telling the truth? So I mean, it feels to me like it's maybe a combination. Like she was maybe like they were doing that. And then she was like, well, if I keep going, right. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, you know, win. She, I don't know. So one source says that, so they go away on May uh, 16th. Okay. Uh, they go away for a couple days. And so on May 16th was the first time that they did the ero erotic asphyxiation okay. um, and it went really really well okay. so on the morning of the 18th again they're just in in this place just making love like that's all they're doing they're eating making love talking making love, like that kind of thing right listen as someone so, who really wants to travel and see the world i'm a little bit like you got a weekend off and all you're doing is stay home making love. i'm like y'all you gotta like travel you gotta explore maybe go snorkeling somewhere you know but that's very me in my time yeah. of place. Okay. well i mean she's intensely in love with this guy so she right. says on the morning of of may 18th 1936 again they've been laying in bed making love how many times who knows she said around 2 a.m on may 18th uh ishida was asleep and she wrapped the sash twice around his neck so maybe it's probably like wake up let's get this i'm ready for sex i need me some mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. she said she didn't realize she had killed him <laughs> until he died oh my god so yeah. he wasn't even awake that 
that's not that's murder. Isn't yeah, this murder? is what she says. Like this is what she says. Yeah, okay. I mean, again, take this with a grain of salt. Now, she did say to the cops afterwards, after I quote, after I killed Ishida, I felt totally at ease as though a burden had been lifted from my shoulders and I felt a sense of clarity. So that's quote. murder. That's murder. Yeah. Isn't again, it? it's. And I think you're right because of what happens next. Okay. Okay. Oh, let's see. So she, so she's, (laughs) she's, it's probably murder because Mm -hmm. instead of calling the cops Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I killed him by accident. She proceeds to cut off his genitals. Oh, well, okay. Whoa. Yes. Mm -hmm. She cut them off Mm. then wrapped them in a newspaper and put them in the pocket of her kimono. She then wrote their names in blood on the bed sheets and carved her name in his arm. And then she calmly left the hotel room. Lavetta? Yes. She's a murderer. Of the kind yeah. you love. <laughs> I mean, or, I mean, I. I mm. Now, normally I'm a like, yeah, stab, 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 strangle, strangle, strangle. But uh, right. they, I don't, I, I can't be on your side. Listen, Sorry. I will say, I will say this, that there's levels that she needed intervention so many times in her life yeah. and never yeah. got it. And like, that's possible that this is what you create when well, you don't. Right. When you don't fix so, it. When you don't try to fix it, when you don't say, hey, why don't we talk about your things like feelings? Well, and I also think cutting off the genitals, like because I could have bought it was an accidental Mm-mm. killing because people mm-hmm. have died from, you know, mm-hmm. engaging in. Yeah. Yeah. Erotic asphyxiation. But mm-hmm. the fact that she cut off his genitals and then left. Uh, so later, the maid comes into Carved the room. Carved her name if she's wondering if anyone's wondering who did this, it's on his dead arm. It's written. Yeah. yeah. So. So the maid came in and freaked the fuck out, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Never, and get, never working there again. Yeah. The newspaper. Exactly. The yeah. newspapers went wild. And of course, uh, the hunt was on for Sada Abe uh, at yeah. this point. And so the newspaper uh, sends this out along with the radio because radio was becoming a big thing at this time. Oh, yeah, that's true. So but at first, before it gets out to the radio in the city in Tokyo, the, you know, reports go out. They're all on the lookout for her. Uh, she is she checks into a Tokyo hotel under a pseudonym and begins writing goodbye letters to her friends and family. Okay. And in the letter, she said she was planning on going to Osaka and to commit suicide. Okay. Uh, but authorities finally caught up to her and they arrested her. Uh, the newspapers, again, sensing an opportunity because this is sensational. Like this is like they're, they're seeing, they're hearing uh, cash registers, seeing dollars, uh, mm-hmm. seeing yen signs everywhere. Yep. So. All the reports go out. People are freaking the fuck out. They dig into her background. And soon, Goro, the the professor with political aspirations, oh. his association is dug up and mm. it destroys any political aspirations that he would have. 
you know, he should have just married her. And then, but who's to say that she would have been yeah, okay? You know exactly. So she was, during, now she was questioned by the cops and the cops reported that they were actually impressed with how calm she was. Yeah. It concerns and me as well. She calmly explained to them that she couldn't bear for Ishida to be with another woman. Mm. Um, like basically like what she told him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he laughed, ha ha, silly woman. I, I will mm. be safe with you. You say you're going to stab me, but I'm going to pre- have sex and then go to sleep and turn my back on you. Uh, I'm not victim blaming. I'm not, but I'm just saying like, but when someone tells you who they are, my recommendation is you believe them. Yes. Now, Tokyo, huge story. Newspapers caught wind of it, but this was so sensational, especially the mutilation of the genitals that, yeah, radio was big at the time and it was like, so because radio was big at the time, the story of Sada Abe was able to get all over the country. Oh, wow. Even in small parts of the country. Uh, Especially because she was being framed as a heartless killer. Um, And and then sometimes... I mean, framed or... I mean, some people... Actually, you know, I take that back. Actually, it became more of a romantic tone to it. And she was actually framed as a lovelorn celebrity in a lot of ways. Okay. Because she, like, chopped off genitals. You know what I'm saying? Like, But, Miriam, she lovely. must have it loved him so much. The love was so intense. It made mm. her go crazy. Like, I really hope that I don't love anyone that much. Like, not that much. I, yeah, that doesn't I feel agree. right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one historian by the name of Mark Schreiber thinks that the Sada Abe incident occurred at a time when the Japanese media were preoccupied with extreme political and military troubles. I was just going to throw that out there. And so this was like a uh, distraction. And that's Mm. also why the public was really, really interested. And also it was a sex scandal on top of it. I mean, that's fun. Sex scandals are fun. fun. Always fun. Now, the trial began in November 25th because there was no question that she did it. It's just a matter of like, <laughs> again, she did that. She, shit. she did that. She wrote shit. who did it in his yeah. dead arm. She was like, guys, it was me. I did it. Yeah. Okay. It's how does a uh, t- Taylor Swift song go? It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Um, <laughs> Something uh, so like that. Yay. <laughs> she was arrested in May and the trial began on November 25th, 1936. Okay. Large crowds gathered outside the uh, courthouse. Uh, now, side note, this is why it's also because men are just gross. They just have to be gross. The judge presiding over the trial reportedly admitted to being sexually aroused by the details involved the in the case. Fuck. Then get a new judge. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like, yeah. also, like, do you not have a diary? Can you write it in there? Shut the fuck yeah. up. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to. It's TMI, sir. Ew. TMI, sir. Ew. Now, she pleaded guilty and described her misfortunes of the, you know, the family losing their wealth, being attacked, being raped, being, you know, sent to uh, the geisha house. Um, and the court recognized that she also, of course, what you were, you know, uh, we've all been talking around that she had diminished mental state. It was a mental breakdown. 
so they did convict her of murder, but in the second degree and of mutilating a corpse. Um, the that judge could be sentenced in the first her. Degree. Yeah, it like. could be, but because they feel like she basically kind of snapped that it wasn't, even though we feel like it's premeditated because she told him she'd stab him, but also she strangled him. Yeah. And then mutilated him. That is true. And did stab him. So also, I think they realized that she wasn't quite in her. It was yeah, like no. a, she snapped. Yeah. Uh, the judge sentenced her to six years. Yeah. That's... Now, before the sentencing, yeah, it's actually not a lot of time considering, uh, I feel yeah. like, that, yeah. Uh, before sentencing uh, began, she gave a statement that read, quote, the thing I regret most about this incident is that I have come to be misunderstood as some kind of sexual pervert that had never been a man in my life like Ishida. There were men I liked and with whom I slept without accepting money, but none made me feel the way I did toward him. End quote. I mean, I think this whole story is a cry for the need for support for mental health support to stop every single male human from touching a woman who does not want to be touched. Like there, there are consequences. And it's also, you know, a cautionary tale of like, that's why we have social programs in place to help people when they're going through stuff. She didn't have the, uh, like you said, psychiatry and psychology has come a long way. She didn't have the tools to like, or her family didn't have the tools to get her counseling after she was raped at 14. Um, I mean, they basically blamed her ultimately. Like now you're acting out. Well, she's acting out because she has PTSD. Yeah. And she's still a child. Like, and you know, there's only so far you can push someone, really. Exactly. So I'm almost finished here. So she, so in prison, she proved to be a model prisoner. Okay. And because of this, she was released early on November 10th, 1940. So oh. four years later. After prison, she first lived with her sister, then moved on to work as a maid in different places, just trying to rebuild her life until, but yeah. at each point, people discovered her identity mm. and either a relationship within or she would lose her job. Um, now, and so, and also the war is coming to an end. So she has to survive (laughs) the atomic bombs and the fire bombs being dropped on Japan. Wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah. And 1946, Japanese women finally got the right to vote. Oh, that took Uh, too long. Got it. I know. And well, only took, it's only about, uh, less than 20 years after we got the right. Yeah. Also took too long. (laughs) Yeah, about 25 years after we got the right to vote. So uh, she she, after the vote, though, her life was then seen in a new light, kind of like what happened with Monica Lewinsky in today's light. We're starting to see it. So she was no longer a woman who strangled her lover, but rather a young woman who had been exploited by men throughout her life. I mean, if that is also very, very true. Because yeah. that is a fact. And again, you can only push someone so far. Exactly. So a new interest in her life happened around this time. And plays and books uh, were written about her from uh, from this new POV and framed okay. in this new way. In 1952, she began uh, working at uh, a working class pub called Hishikiki Sui uh, in uh, Inari-cho in downtown Tokyo. So it's a neighborhood. Okay. 
relatively low profile. She started to build her life and she stayed there for 18 years. Basically, she found community in this area. And she was actually, in fact, nominated. And actually, she was awarded Model Employee Award well, from the Restaurant Association. Okay. Um, however, by 1970, she disappeared from the public eye. Um, and just sort of fell off the face of the earth. There was a filmmaker by the name of Nigisa Oshima who claimed that he tracked her down in the Kansai countryside where she was living out the remainder of her life in a Buddhist nunnery in tranquility. But that has never been, uh, verified really. Okay. Uh, for the most part, her manner, uh, and date of her death is still unknown. Wow. Even though there's several films and TV shows that have been written about her, including one, uh, a 1975 film called A Woman Called Sada and a 1976 erotic class classic, Japanese classic called In the Realm of the Senses. Um, one last note is that one theory is that the syphilis that uh, syphilis was oh. often treated with mercury. Yeah. Back in the day. So this could have caused her mental degradation and could explain somewhat her uh, violent outbreaks and behavior. Levetta, I'm going to pretend that I know things and say that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That would along with the PTSD. So you have along PTSD. With yep. And then on top of which, and then if you see how she's trying to rebuild her life, like, she is not like a murderer, you know, like I've yeah. heard there are like bad seeds out there. Right. But like not getting that from her. And I, I really hope that she like went to like a nunnery or a Buddhist thing. And I, I know, hope so too. Chill, I hope you know? that she died like peaceful, but also the stress and trauma of working in a brothel, uh, like, and yeah. not in the way that people can have only fans or like the way we want right. Uh, you know, individuals to be able to do sex work if they want to it in a safe environment. No. She's being forced in these ways. And she was threatened every day, like the, the trauma and the hypervigilance that she had to live under for decades. Yeah. You know, along with like probably the treatment with mercury. along with the mercury that was like slowly entering her system. I mean, and yeah, like the fact that she came out of it, that she I mean, honestly, like good for her. I mean, don't kill people, but like, you know, good for her for like getting it together and having the sense of like, this is not who I am. And she admitted it, you know, she admitted it. Sada Abe. That is Sada Abe guys. Uh, so amazing. What a doozy. Well, guys, that wraps it up for our latest episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Uh, remember to follow us on all the things. Give us five stars. Five. Five stars. Pretty please. Pretty five please out of five. With a, with a cherry on top, pretty please. Okay. Yes. And remember to share, like, and subscribe and download every week. We got to get our download numbers up because uh, we know you guys love us. You yeah. just need to see a little love in the numbers. More love. love. I don't know if that's love. a song. On wings of love. No, I won't do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. And also, if you want to become a patron and uh, support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash notorious women. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash notorious women. And Miriam's going to tell you how to track us down in other ways. All right. So if you want to email us, we have, uh, you can 
Email us at notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram. It's so easy. It's literally Notorious Women Podcast. We are there. You could also DM us if you'd like to contact us that way. But come follow us. It's a fun little IG moment. We find fun yeah, things. I, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll start doing the IG stuff. Lovetta. And also comments. We love comments. Keep the comments coming. Yes. yes. Pretty please. Cherry on top. Please. But mm. I will be joining the IG. I'm so excited about that. No promises. No promises. Okay. You know what? I'll calm down. Eventually. Yeah. All right. I want to make it a surprise. Surprise. We're <laughs> show up. All right, guys. All right. That wraps it up. We will see you guys next week. Yes, Bye-bye. indeed. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.